Thank you. All right, thank you. So that is the mountains of Mexico where we work. Um, if anyone has any questions, um, I think we have time for some questions. If anyone has any questions about the work we do, uh, it's primarily with indigenous people in the mountains. We go out, kind of start from scratch in the, these areas. Uh, once people get born again, we try to disciple them and really kind of the way an, an entrepreneur would start from scratch and build an infrastructure. We're basically trying to do that with the people we work with. Uh, we support them and help them financially, but we're working with them to try and generate businesses and things like that, like the Sweet Potato Project or uh, growing orange trees, instrument making, carpentry, whatever it is that they can use to help fund uh, the ministry they do as they go out into other unreached villages. So does anyone have any questions that they want to ask before I move on? How many groups do you guys visit on an annual basis from other churches? And uh, it varies. I would probably say somewhere between 10, 10 to 12. 10 to 12 groups a year. How long does right. stay normally a week? Less, uh, less than 10 days, 10 days or less. Now, we do have occasional um, individuals that will stay longer because they're thinking about long term. So How young kids come? How young can the kids be to come? We've had babies come with their moms. So uh, really it's but it's something that you would really want to prayerfully consider because where we work is dangerous. That being said, I would lay my life down on the line for whoever was with me, but we do come and go in and out of dangerous territories. So, but uh, Chris and Melissa were with us a few years back. That was actually the last time we saw them. Um, I think it was three years ago that we were here with you guys. Um, and when we were here, I was sharing about our identity. So I kind of want to springboard off that today because we were missionaries, or you would say we're missionaries, or missionary work is what we do. We plant churches, we evangelize, we do this, we do that, we do, and, and we could talk about the things that we do, but like we were going over this morning in Sunday school, our works, is, our works are not what comes first. What comes first is who we are. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's, let's open to 1 John chapter 5. Why are we here today? Why do we do what we do? What's the point of our existence, of our life? These questions really should be and only can be answered in who we are as God's children. Who you are as a person is what gives direction to what you do in life. And it's what gives meaning and purpose to it. It's what gives value to it. Um, so many people struggle with their identity and they do things to try and feel appreciated or valued. But... 
God loves us. I just want everyone here to know and whoever's watching online to know that God sees you and he loves you before you do anything. And the things that you will do, the things that you do should come from that love and that appreciation as a son or a daughter in Christ. Um, I shared our testimony here before that there were some problems in the home. There were some, some types of abuse uh, when we were children. And I remember there being kind of a stigma. I remember one day a kid, you know, really let me have it and sent me home crying because, you know, it was actually a girl, believe it or not. She said, you're just white trash. Y'all are just, your, fa- your parents are just drug addicts. And, you know, she really, they, they really let us have it. You know, we were, I guess, kind of like what you, would, what you would consider trailer park trash. But one man's trash is another man's treasure. Or man's trash is God's treasure. And that was the thing that God gave us, is he gave us an identity in him as being beloved and appreciated and valued. And when... The church that reached out to us came into our neighborhood and invited us and took us to church. That was the transformation that we received. That was a revelation we received that God loved us regardless of the fact that we had some problems at home. Um, And God taught us to love those in our lives even when they could not be who we needed them to be in a given moment. I began to look at my father as I because he had an alcohol problem. He had an alcohol addiction, and I began to look at him with compassion once I realized that he just himself was unwhole. And his identity was not totally put together as a born-again, beloved child of God. So really for us to make sense of the chaos that we live in, in this falling apart world, we really need a revelation of that identity. And once we get that identity, it can kind of give purpose to what we're actually supposed to be doing here. Yesterday was an awesome day. I got up and went golfing with Chris. He beat me, so uh, there was that. My football team won. We were with friends and family yesterday we haven't seen in a while. Uh, We had a good time. We enjoyed life. I like comfort. I like sports. I like, there are things in this life that I enjoy. And I seek those things out. And I think there's a balance to it. And I look for comfort in this world. I don't like to be sick. I don't like to not feel well. I like for my family to be taken care of with me being the the father and the provider. But that being said, those things all have their place. And those things are not my ultimate goal in life. My ultimate goal in life is not to become too comfortable in this world, but to overcome the world. And it says in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The idea is not for us to become intoxicated with 
the comforts and the joys and the things of this life. While at the same time to not be overwhelmed with the burdens and the chaos and the things that we all go through in life. It's not to become too comfortable, but at the same time to not be overwhelmed when things are hard. It's for us to be able to sharpen our spirituality. It's for us to be able to find the joy and the peace and the grace that we need to be able to persevere, to be able to endure, and to be able to overcome this world. Uh, if, you, if you want to hear it from Jesus' perspective, you can look at John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. And, and he tells us this, he says, and I, and I share this with you so that you'll have peace. So there's a, there's a middle ground in there where we take care of our responsibilities and we work and we do what we're supposed to do to provide. We do what we're supposed to do to live in this world, but not be of this world. And the end goal is to ultimately overcome this world. I have, get, I have shared these things with you that you may have peace because I have overcome the world, were Jesus' words. And really to be able to do that, we need more depth spiritually. The purpose for us to be here today in Sunday school class, in worship, you know, listening to teaching, reading the Bible, doing our daily devotions... Uh, preaching, whatever it is. In the beginning, the first step is to surrender and be willing and uh, give our lives over to Christ and to, to be born again. But when you're born again, you have to grow and you have to mature. And there are, God gives us tools to help us do that. For us to be able to sharpen our spiritual sense. Because in, we live in a physical world, but there's something beyond this physical world. There's a realm beyond this physical world that is spirituality. You can call it your spiritual sense. And how are we supposed to navigate on this spiritual journey? Because this is a spiritual journey, ultimately, that we're on. To get off of this mountain. In, in the Old Testament... The children of Israel, they were wandering around for years in the desert and around the mountain. But the promised land was right there. And the goal was not for them to be on that journey for 40 years. That was not the original plan. The original plan was for them to walk into the rest and peace of God in the promised land. And for us today, we're not supposed to camp out here. Ultimately, our goal should be to get from the old to the new. It's a spiritual quest. It's a spiritual journey. And the only way that we're going to be able to navigate it is for us to be in tune with God, for us to have greater depth spiritually. And that's what prayer and worship and reading the Bible and fasting and all the different things are that we do. Once again, those things don't make us acceptable to God. The blood of Jesus does that. Those things simply 
help us mature and grow and be more stable for the unstable, unstable times that we live in. My mom worked with a company called Pathfinder for a lot of years, and basically uh, they would work with people who were disabled and they would help them carry on a, a productive functioning life as an adult. And I remember going to visit her at work. And one day she took me around to some of her classes um, that they would with the people that they worked with, they would call their clients. And I remember meeting this one lady. Uh, she was deaf and she also could not see. And I remember just watching her. She had a sense of peace about her and she had, believe it or not, she had earphones plugged into her ears. And when she would get to school every day or work, uh, it was kind of a combination of both. They would have to let her have these headphones with this music playing. And I, I asked about it and I'm like, you know, what's the story behind that? And they said she can feel the rhythm of the music through her ears. <laughs> and uh, that gave her life. And that helped her thrive, even though she was missing two of her senses. And that gave her like a joy that allowed her to endure what the, the situation and the circumstances that she was in. And um, I, I never have forgotten that. Psalm 42, verse seven. What does it say? Deep cries out to deep. There's a depth there's something within us that's crying out to God. And if that's not, if that need is not met, if that hunger is not met, if that thirst is not met, we're not going to grow. We're not going to be healthy. We're not going to be strong spiritually. Essentially, we'll be anemic. We'll be sick and perhaps not make it to the end goal like we should. Do something with me for a second, if you will. Everyone just close your eyes. OK, now imagine the chaos that would ensue right now if I said, OK, everyone get up now and go to a particular destination. Uh, Brother Joey, go to the bathroom. Brother Chris, go out to your car, but keep your eyes closed. We'd have chaos. People would trip. You can open your eyes now. People would trip over themselves. People would fall. People would get hurt. Who knows what would happen? It would be absolute chaos. And that's what we have in the world we live in today is essentially a lot of people, even church going people that are kind of wandering around in the dark. And they're just and it's chaos. And I just want to speak joy and peace into your life today, regardless of whatever circumstances you're living in uh, for us there's been a cycle of things that we've dealt with since we moved to Mexico in 2001. Most recently, you know, the pandemic and all of the changes that that's caused in all of our lives. In one particular village that we work in, there were like 50 people who passed away once the sickness hit the villages. And we're, we deal with cartel violence. We deal with all sorts of things. Um, and... We're still going out into these villages and trying to get the people to realize that you don't have to. You don't have to live with the identity 
that the world around you gives you or that your circumstances give you. We work with people who have been oppressed for centuries. And our main goal is for them to come into this idea of you're no longer a slave, you're a son. And to completely change this and, and redevelop this whole thing. But, but it says in Psalm 42, verse 7, deep cries out to deep. And the spirit inside of us is crying out, it's hungry and it's thirsty for God. And as much as we meet that, we'll grow and we'll, we'll mature and we'll be strengthened and we'll be able to navigate, perhaps even in the dark. We all know the Bible talks about how as we get closer to the end, things will get darker. But the light inside of us should grow. Throughout the last couple of years with the changes, there was a period of time when we couldn't go out to the villages. The work that we do in Mexico actually grew. New villages were opened up and churches were planted. In the, in the area I work in, there were two new churches established just in that area. We built physical church buildings. We continued a level of discipleship and training because all of a sudden, we couldn't be there. So the local people had to be there. Um, a buddy of mine, we were on the mission field for a while, but he ended up going to the army after a period of time. And he joined ranger school to become a ranger or he, he went to ranger school to try and become an army ranger. And he was sharing with me some about it. And, and I've read about it. And he was saying that the goal, once you, if you pass and you make it out of ranger school, is that you will be a part of an elite company, that you will be a part of a, of a small group, and that each person will have specific tasks that they're in charge of. For instance, he was a medic. He said, but you have to be trained in all ways. Everyone has to know how to do everyone else's job. Throughout the process of ranger school, at some point, you get selected and you get pulled to the front and you have to lead the group. And I think that that's something that God expects out of all of us as well. It's not Brother Joey's job to be the only leader, to be the only teacher, to be the only evangelist. It's all of us as a corporate body. It's our job. Even in our families, it's not just the dad or the mom's responsibility to look after the family or to be spiritual uh, beings or guides. It's all of our jobs. It's our jobs to instruct our children and raise them up so that the light that's in them can affect the people where they go at their school. Um, when they go on into the workplace and start their own families. It's a spiritual journey. It's a spiritual quest. If you don't, uh, I was talking with my Aunt Carolyn yesterday and she's been an exercise instructor for a lot of years. And she said, basically, even though she's a little bit older than I am, she still intends to be uh, an exercise instructor because if you don't use it, you lose it. So I want to just encourage you to stop for a minute and reassess and reevaluate where you're at in your spiritual walk with God.
give place for prayer. Prayer doesn't always have to be you speaking. You meditating about God and about his word. You seeking his guidance and his direction in your life. To take you deeper. To help you develop more of a spirituality. To help you develop a maturity to be able to navigate and ultimately overcome this world. Uh, sometimes you'll hear the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6. People will quote it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I've heard people speak about that kind of in a prosperity mentality and say, look, you know, we need to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. Ultimately, that's not what's going to happen. That is probably taking that scripture out of context. We are praying for God's guidance and we're praying for God's direction. We're praying for God's will to be done in our lives as we walk out our time on this earth, which is a set defined amount of time. And at the end of the prayer, he says, deliver us from the evil one and deliverance can be and is overcoming. And as we begin to walk out tomorrow on the job, at school, at work, whatever it is, we need a certain amount of willingness. We need a certain amount of dedication, a certain amount of discipline, a certain amount of diligence to be able to see the goodness of God unfold in our lives. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. So Paul's kind of given some last instructions to Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also and share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have first share of the crops. So he addresses in the first verse his identity as a son, you my child. And so God addresses us today, my son, my daughter. He says, be strengthened in the grace. There's a supernatural grace for us. And when we walk in this idea that of depth and spirituality, we'll find that grace, we'll find that love, we'll find that joy and that peace 
to endure and to reach our final destination, to walk into the pro- all the promises that God has for us. He talks about the soldier. He says to be dedicated like a soldier and to not allow yourself to be entangled in civilian affairs. We live once again in this world. We're a part of this civilian life, but as spiritually speaking, as disciples of Christ, as soldiers of Christ, we're not to be too entangled with it. We're, we're in it, but it doesn't own us. It doesn't entangle us. Um, then he goes on after the dedication of a soldier. He says to, to have the discipline of an athlete. The idea of endurance and patience. Sometimes we're, you know, we, we, we pray and we ask and, and we're walking and we've, we feel like we've been faithful and we're at the point of kind of giving up or giving in. But if we could just take that next step and then maybe that next step, ultimately we will be crowned with the riches and the blessing that God has for us. Lastly, he says, the diligence of a farmer. So so there's a willingness, a dedication like the soldier, the discipline of an athlete to, to continue on and to compete by the rules. And there's the diligence of the farmer who on the day that he goes out to clean the field, he doesn't physically see the harvest. The day that he goes out to plant the seed, he doesn't see the harvest. The day that he goes out to clean the the plants or fertilize, he doesn't necessarily see the harvest. But eventually, if he continues on that road of diligence, he'll get to see and enjoy the harvest. And for us, the same is true spiritually. Um, Back to this friend of mine who, and I'm just going to, I'm going to close with this. Back to this friend of mine who went to ranger school. He, he said that they would push you to, basically the goal was to push you to the point of failure and to see what your decision would be in that moment. Um, it's like a two month process and there are different phases of it. They teach you navigation. They teach you how to take care of your body there. You have a limited amount of resources. You have a limited amount of water. You have a limited amount of food. On average, I read that you get like three hours of sleep a night. So you're absolutely at the end of this thing. It's at the end of some of these phases, you're absolutely exhausted. And you get to this one particular phase that's called the mountain phase. Let's just think about the walk that we're on in terms of this mountain phase. He said in this one particular phase, it was on him to lead the group. Like I was sharing with you earlier at different times, anyone can be picked out to lead the group. And he said we were given a drop dead time, which is a specific amount of time to get to a specific point. And they had to navigate and you have to know exactly how far to go in each direction. It's at night. You're sleep deprived. You don't really have enough food. You don't really have enough water to really feel healthy. 
You're basically at the point of failure. And he said, we're, we were marching, we were marching. And he said, I was getting close to my drop dead time. I knew I was at the end. He said, we had been, we had been marching since the day before. And he said, he said, they call it rucking because you're carrying a rucksack or a big backpack that can weigh up to like 60 pounds or more with all your gear. And he said, we were marching, we were marching since the day before. And I knew that we were getting close to our destination. I knew that we were at the end of our time. The sun had already come up. And he said, I got to the commanding officer. <laughs> and he said, we thought we were finished. And he handed us orders and said, okay, here you go. Here's your next drop dead time. Here's your, here's your next destination. And it was like 20 something kilometers away. And he said it was impossible. And that at times is the place where we find ourselves, where it just seems impossible and we're done and we're at the point of failure. We're exhausted. We don't have enough to eat. We don't have enough to drink. You can lose up to like 20 pounds from what I've read when you go through this period of training. And he said, I was just willing and I trusted. I just took my step to begin the next journey and to continue on. And he said, I got like a hundred steps up the road and the, the guy yelled out and said, hey, stop, it's over. Congratulations. <laughs> You completed, the, you completed the task and you've, you've accomplished your goal. And so many times in our life, I think that we're walking through life and we haven't fully prepared ourselves spiritually to be successful in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So I would encourage you to not let go of the rope in the sense of spiritual discipline trying to find that depth, setting time aside to meditate and let God touch you and feel you and give you strength through his word, through worship, through prayer. But at the same time, some of us in the midst of doing that find ourselves at the point of exhaustion and the circumstances seem overwhelming. And at the point of accomplishing the goal of completing the task right when we're about to come over the mountaintop, right when the daylight, the, the daylight is about to break, right when we're about to receive the blessing that we've been asking for or to walk into some form of goodness of God like we've never experienced before, I think sometimes we can give up. And I just, in closing, I'd like to pray with you guys. And I would like to encourage you to develop that spirituality. And that if you're in your circumstances of difficulty, that they don't define you, who you are, that you're a beloved child of God and that in him, there's a joy and a peace and a grace for you to persevere, for you to endure, even if you can't see even if you can't seem to see and, and you're just you feel like you're walking through darkness, even if you can't hear, there's a rhythm, there's a cadence, there's a pace in God where he takes us through. Essentially, when we get to the point when we can't, he can and he'll carry us.